In Luke 23, verses 44 through 45, it says, It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And while the darkness was probably literal, at least in some sense, I can't help but see uh, the metaphor, because we just came out of a sermon series where for weeks we used the metaphor of darkness for depression and light for all that is good. And when Jesus hung on the cross a couple of thousand years ago, the world was definitely engulfed in darkness. And we sometimes, I think, it's easy for us who live a couple of thousand years later to forget about what a great darkness he would have experienced. We know of some of the physical uh, atrocities that he would have suffered. We've already sang about some, Matt read about some in Isaiah 53, but let us not forget that along with being pierced and nailed to a cross and having his blood poured out, he was also whipped, scourged, beaten. Uh, he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and then he was beaten some more. You cannot imagine, I don't believe, the physical anguish that Jesus went through on the cross. But along with that, we also must remember the emotional suffering that Jesus felt as he went to die for our sins. The Bible tells us that leading up to his crucifixion, he, he was in such emotional turmoil that he actually sweated drops of blood. And after that, Jesus was arrested. He was taken captive prisoner and he was beaten up like I mentioned before and people just think about this now people mocked him even though he was the God who was going to save them and there's this other part that I was thinking about this week as I was preparing to talk here tonight and that is that Jesus could have stopped what was taking place at any moment and I don't know that we can even fathom what it is like to be able to stop our physical pain, but not be able to do it without hurting others and forfeiting the plan. In the TV shows we watch, that's called torture. I mean, people are tortured and they say, tell us the information, tell us the information, we'll make this pain stop. And people fight and fight and fight to not tell the information and they suffer the pain because they know that it's going to have a negative effect on other people. And here's Jesus being uh, arrested and then beaten and scourged and flogged and he had the ability to stop it at any time, but he knew if he did that he would forfeit the plan and, and it would result in our eternal damnation. And you can't imagine, I don't think, we who are normal human beings cannot imagine what it is like to suffer that type of emotional distress, to know that we could stop the pain, uh, but to stop it is to ruin everything. Uh, but more than the physical and emotional pain is the spiritual agony that Jesus went through on the cross. God, the Father, actually turned his back on Jesus. Jesus says it. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think that any of us can know this feeling, to have God completely forsake us, because, and even if you can't see it, even on your darkest, darkest days when all the good things in the world seem to have disappeared, God's face, his Glory, his goodness is still in some, even if a small way, shining upon you, providing for you, helping you, guiding you. Uh, 
And yet, as Jesus hung on the cross, God the Father completely rejected Jesus. He turned his back on him. Making it worse is that we believe in a triune God, the Trinity, you may have heard it said that way. And so we believe that Father and Son, God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, are in some way the same. Uh, They are the same, even though they are different beings. And so the idea of separation between these two beings is, is really incomprehensible. It's not something that I can explain to you because it's something that I'm not sure we can fully understand as human beings. But consider the type of separation that this would have been when your very being has now rejected you fully and separated from you completely. The best that I think I can do is to have your parents or your spouse utterly reject you. It would be like your mom saying, I don't know this kid while you were drug away to die. Think about that. The pain that you would feel, not just as you were being hurt on the outside, but because you had been hurt so badly on the inside. John Piper said, our sin broke the eternal fellowship of the Godhead. And while it is difficult to understand that, it is easy to understand that we all are sinners. And on that cross, Jesus took the punishment for our sins. And so just uh, for a brief moment, I just ask that that just in this moment, would you kind of let those sins, those things that you've done wrong, that you know are bad, just kind of rise to the surface of your mind. Uh, I know sometimes it's easy for us to push them aside, to not think about them, to not talk about them, to pretend that we didn't. But just for a minute, would you just kind of let those things rise to your mind? Because as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was in fact hanging there for all of those things that you have done, all of the shameful things that you have done, all of the times that you have hurt people or said mean things to people or broken promises or outright lied or even all of the thoughts that you've had that you know you are ashamed to even think that you had and you would even be more ashamed if anybody else in the whole wide world knew about it. He was hanging on the cross for all of the sins, all of the things that you have done wrong, even the things that that maybe just a handful of people in the whole world know about because you are so ashamed by them, because you find them so gross and so out of character and maybe not even a single other person knows Jesus when he hung on the cross was hanging there because of that sin. In 1 Peter 2.24, it's described this way. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross. All of the punishment that you deserve for all the things that you have done wrong. He died for all of them as he hung on the cross. In Colossians 1.14, it said this way. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I mean, as Jesus' body hung on the cross, it was as if the list of our sins, all of the things that you have done wrong, all of the things that you regret, all of the things that you're sorry for, all of the things that you feel guilty for, it is as if that list was hanging there in his body. That's an incredible, deep darkness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's described this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Notice that language. Notice the language that this person, Jesus, who had sinned zero times, 
He had zero regrets. He had zero to be guilty for. That person, Jesus, actually became our sin as he hung on the cross for our behalf. The sinless savior actually became sin for us. And in Romans 5, 9, it's described in, in, in what I think is even a grander way, the darkness that Jesus suffered on that faithful day. It says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And theologians tell us that when Jesus hung on the cross, God's wrath, the Father's wrath came upon him completely. All of the wrath that we deserved, all of the punishment, all of the, uh, the hell, all of the darkness that we deserved hung on him. Jesus suffered God's wrath for us. In some ways, Jesus suffered hell for us, hell being a place of thirst, darkness, pain, and separation from God. That is what Jesus experienced. In a very famous book, um, some would call it the third greatest English novel of all time called A Portrait of an Artist uh, as a Young Man. You may have heard of this by James Joyce. It is a semi-autobiographical uh, work um, by James Joyce. He uses a different name, but it's pretty much his story. And a big part of that book is about his sin and about all the things that he was ashamed about. And in the book, he shares some of his deepest, darkest most secret sins and he talks about the incredible, incredible shame that he feels and the fear that he has experienced just wondering if somebody else will find out about those sins. And when he confesses them, which he does in the book, he describes them this way. And I think it's something we all know if we're honest. He describes them this way. His sins trickled from his lips one by one trickled in shameful drops from his soul, festering and oozing like a sore, a squalid stream of vice. The last sin oozed forth, sluggish, filthy. What's interesting in that book is that that confession to a priest came on the heels of a series of sermons given by a priest in which the sermon does really nothing except explain the horrors of hell. He talks about how hell will be a place where we are bound to other sinners for eternity and so it's basically an eternal prison. He talks about the physical pain that we will suffer in hell, describing it, it's a little bit gruesome, but describing it is sticking your finger in a candle and leaving it there for eternity in the flame of a candle and leaving it there for eternity. He talks about the evil creatures that will be there and he talks, he quotes somebody who says, I have encountered an evil being once and I would rather walk on hot coals for the rest of my life than to experience another one. And the effect that that sermon, those series of sermons had upon James Joyce's character, Stephen, was to scare him out of his mind, literally, to scare him out of his mind and then into confession. And when we pause and we think deeply, about eternal damnation. It's scary. But what we also must remember is that as Jesus hung on the cross, he suffered all of that for us. And that is the reason we don't have to be scared of it. When Jesus hung on the cross, hell was placed upon him and he suffered all of those things that we all deserved. 
And the question is why the next verse tells us, it says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The curtain and the temple separated in a very literal, real sense. The presence of God in a place called the Holy of Holies from the rest of the world, from people. Uh, people were, in a real sense, completely separated from the light of God. If you were to go to the Old Testament, there's a character there whose name is Moses. And Moses would enter into a tent, and he would meet with God, and when he would come out, he would be glowing because of the beautiful, magnificent, wonderful light of God's presence. And because people are sinful, fallen, disobedient to God, We'd been separated from his incredible presence. And as Jesus hung on that cross and took all of our sins, what he did is he allowed for us to have access to God so that all of the darkness in our life could just be left there at the cross. And now we could shine bright as we bask in the glory of the God of heaven who loves us and created us and offered his son to save us. Luke continues by saying, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Our God died, even if it was just for a little while. Dan Brunner wrote a blog post this week. He's a guy out of George Fox, and he said, any journey that bypasses Good Friday is nothing more than denial. And it's easy to skip right to Easter and think about how great that is and and we're gonna celebrate like crazy here Sunday and I'm looking forward to that. But if we skip the fact that God came to earth and all of the darkness of this world and, and of eternity was laid upon him, it snuffed out the light of the world, in fact, all of it just indwelt him, then we are really just in denial. And so this morning what I ask from you and what I hope for you is that you will remember that Jesus was enveloped by darkness so that we could be enveloped by light. And here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, We have these stickies up here and uh, we did this last year and, and it's become a new tradition for us. I think it's something we'll continue to do and And we have these black Sharpies. And so uh, we're gonna do three more songs this evening. And during those three songs, I ask that you come forward, you write all of the darkness in your life uh, on one of these stickies. And you can use as many stickies as you need. It might be your sin, it might be your suffering, it might be the things that you are ashamed of, it might be your fears, your failures, it might be the regrets that you have. You just go ahead and use that Sharpie and if you wanna write in code, that's fine, God will know. But you, you write whatever symbolizes that for you and you just stick them right there on that cross as a reminder uh, that Jesus, 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 died so that all of that darkness could be taken away from you and that you could live eternity in light. When you come up to do that, and you can do it at any point during these next three songs, come on up, write, stick it on the cross. Uh, Please grab 
the communion elements and take those back to your seat with you. And if you are new with us, then you don't know this, but if you're with us every week, you know that we take communion and, and we always do it as a family. And usually what that means is that, that I get up here and lead us in taking it. But today we're gonna do it as a family and I'm not gonna lead it. And so during the next three songs, you're uh, willing to take communion uh, as you feel like God wants you to take that communion. But as you do it, and as you're sitting here looking at the red stickies representing the blood of Jesus and, and the darkness that he suffered and, and, the, and the hope of light that, that you have, I just hope that you will take seriously what the Bible has told us about communion and that is that when you take the bread and the cup, uh, it is to remember and proclaim that you believe Jesus in fact came 2000 and, and a few years ago on a day that we now call Good Friday to suffer a horrible darkness for your sins. And we'll, we'll take us over, but as you, as you feel led, as, as you pray and it's time to come forward, just come forward, jot some things on a sticky or two or three, grab the communion elements and then take that and, and I'll come back up after the songs and pray for us as, as we finish. Lord, uh, I thank you for the incredible gift that you gave us, Lord. But it's so easy, God, for us to just think about the gift and to forget, God, about what it cost you. The physical, emotional, spiritual torture that you went through, God, is, is it's really unfathomable to us. No idea what it's like to be in such anguish that I sweat blood. I have no idea, Lord, what it's like to be able to stop pain on a moment's notice, but, but be willing to choose not to because I loved somebody else so much. I have no idea what it's like, Lord, to be separated from your very self, your being, to be rejected by all of the people uh, that were following you, Lord. I don't know what that's like, but I'm so thankful that you were willing to be enveloped by darkness so that we might bask in the glow of your light. And I pray, Lord, as we put these stickies up here and we celebrate communion together, that you would, as I prayed um, before I came out on stage, uh, I pray, God, that you would let this beautiful story of darkness at noon just become more real and more important to all of us. And God, I don't know every person who's come here tonight, but no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, Lord, I pray that, that tonight we would be more impacted uh, by your willingness to enter into the dark, to have your blood poured out and your body beaten and your friends reject you and to be tortured and all of it, God. I pray that we would be more touched by that tonight than we have ever been before in our lives and that you would once again cause us to connect God on a deep spiritual level with your incredible amazing grace I pray these things in your name and only because you came to offer me access to yourself we love you Jesus amen